You're not giving me easy questions, man. I thought we're going to start with some casual conversations about, you know, about marketing and what what's B2B SaaS companies to be made. You're going for it. <laughs> All right. Hello. Welcome to episode 33 of B2B SaaS Marketing Snacks. My name is Richard. I work on the product team here at Kalungi. And today we're discussing a super important topic. We love to talk about it. We're talking about narrowing down your positioning and finding your niche. Um, like I said, really important. Every business should wrestle with this. Um, it's especially crucial for businesses who are just starting out. It's much easier to start a company when you've nailed down your positioning and found your niche than to start out as a quote unquote everything business. So today, Mike and Stein are talking about niching down and explaining why saying no can oftentimes help you find early success. They're sharing some stories and examples and covering the topic from a bird's eye view. And before we jump into it, I will say that if you're a fan of the podcast, you might know that we've talked about some similar things on previous episodes before. Um, in episode 14, we talked about how big or small your niche should be. And then in episode 15, we discussed how to position yourself within your niche. Those are some more tactical uh, episodes. So if you're looking for a good tactical rundown, check those out. Um, but check it out after you finish this one. So thanks for listening. Here's the episode. Mike, I was driving um, the other day and I heard the commercial of uh, video only. It's this electronic store that uh, has this interesting uh, positioning that they've done for years now. Um, the slogan is video only. And it's they sell anything. <laughs> They're just like Best Buy or Walmart. Um, but they choose to position themselves as one thing, right? Video only, even the word choice. Um, and it's interesting. There's many examples like this. There's another commercial from a nonprofit, Cars for Kids. Right, it's only really focused on people who have a used car that they are thinking of selling or trading in and, and people who also are interested in maybe providing help for a charity that cares about uh, children. And, and that's their positioning. And, and what's interesting in both these scenarios, I don't believe that the, the, the organization behind these are doing anything that's unique for um, I, I assume that Cars for Kids is, is, a, is a nonprofit that does all kinds of things for, for children in need. And, and this commercial is really only one way to get a very specific uh, action from an audience who happens to be triggered by that uh, slogan. Uh, the same with this um, video-only um, commercial. So yeah, let's talk about nailing a niche. Yeah. Because I think a lot, of, a lot of our clients, a lot of the people we work with, they, they make the mistake that they think to position yourself as a niche provider that you also have to be, that you cannot do anything else. Right. There's this difference between your ideal customer profile and your kind of serviceable customer profile. And just because you say in everything that you, you know, in your website and your materials and, you know, all the things that you put out in the world, just because you say that you are the best for a certain group does not mean that you are not also great for other groups. It just means that that's kind of what you're focused on. And I think it's a great topic. Um, you have this story that you share when we run our go-to-market workshops when we first get started with our clients. Um, I might butcher the story, so feel free to jump in and cut me off if, I, if that's the case. But it's essentially this bar in New York um, that 
was started on the premise of being a bar for other service workers. So for other bartenders, for people who were, you know, um, being waiters and waitresses. And that's how they positioned themselves. So it was kind of like a, a club for the people who served other people. And they built this really massive um, brand around just that. And what I think is really cool about the story, because you've shared this a couple of a few different times um, in workshops to kind of talk about this idea of nailing a niche. And so I have on a couple of occasions actually looked up that specific bar in New York to see what their branding is today to just grab screenshots or something that we can add into the deck to kind of embellish. You were not just looking for a drink. No, yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And um, what I found is that they don't actually have that positioning anymore. Like after they built their initial kind of foundation, they expanded out and now they are just kind of like a cool bar, right? And I think that's actually really cool. Um, it's a really cool progression and a really cool story because it basically, it's it's really, it's confirmation that you you don't have to always stick to what you started with and you should be expanding out, right? Like there's also the story about Amazon, right? Like Amazon started as a bookstore only. Amazon is no longer that. They still have this strong marketplace for books. Yes, for sure. But they've also built so many other things on top of it. Amazon does not say we sell books now, right? That's at some point you kind of evolve out of the niche, but you use the niche to build a beachhead and then you start to see opportunities to build off of it. Um, and yeah, it's it's really hard to have that discipline to say, like to, to limit what you say on your website. And I know we have another topic that we're going to go over, which is like when you add other industries and how you do that and how you present that information but to limit yourself in the headline of your website to just say one thing, right? We are the accounts payable automation solution for X industry or X user. That can be so powerful just in the beginning to build that, that trust with a specific user group who might not feel like they're being um, catered to or that a solution is not purpose built for them. Um, so yeah, I think that that's it's super powerful. It's very very difficult to do because you want to, you don't by doing it you feel like you're kind of you're you're chopping off, um, or you're restricting the number of people who might you know consider your service or your your product. But I I think it's the exact opposite. You're you're building a strong beachhead of people um, that fit your product really well. It is really really hard to say no to um, a, a part of the market or customers who you think are interested in your product. But by doing so, you'll just get a much better uh, connection with your audience. They'll trust you more. They'll be a, a more loyal customers. Um, the Amazon example, Mike, I lived in Europe, of course, before I moved to the US. And I remember it's not that long ago, actually, when I wanted to order things from Amazon in Europe. It was almost impossible. You had to go through the German website to get something in the Netherlands. And it, it is, is, is part of them just staying laser focused first and being a bookstore, mostly focused on the US or the North American market and only slowly expanding into other, um, other verticals or other market segments. Uh, your example in the bar, the bar in New York. What I love about that example is that you don't need to be a special bar to choose to position yourself like that. Mm-hmm. 
right? And I think that is really critical. Uh, there are other niche examples, right? I've been, <laughs> I've not bought them yet, and I don't think I buy them anytime soon, but I've been at least glancing at this new audio uh, speaker brand called Vivid Audio. And they, there's this this guy who used to work at Bower and Wilkins and who, who designed these fantastic and extremely expensive speakers. And he started the company for himself. But th these speakers cost $90,000, Mike, and there's no way I'm ever <laughs> going to buy them. But there is a market for that. But this company actually decided not to sell anything to anybody else, right? By putting their price point where it is, they're absolutely excluding themselves from servicing other types of clients. But the bar example, and by the way, so I'm, I'm from the Netherlands, as you know, and when I grew up, um, I actually was a bouncer for a couple of years <laughs> in a club. So I was one of those employees who needed to, um, uh, to work on the night, on Friday night, Thursday night, Saturday night, when most other people actually went out and, and enjoyed themselves. So I was working. But then there, were, there was a club in, in the Netherlands, in this case, that was open on Sundays and actually on Mondays. They were open on Monday night. And that was, of course, very, and I think same with the bar in New York. But this club actually was really open to cater to people who could not go out the rest of the week. It was 50 miles from the city where I lived. And people drove 50 miles to actually go to that club, people who worked the rest of the week. So that is also a great example of when you have that specific positioning and you're, you're offering an option for an audience that very... Um, much in line with uh, this unique uh, solution that you, you get people to to make a big effort to buy your product, right? To come to stay with you. Um, yeah, I think the other example that I sometimes use to, to make this generic uh, marketing turned into niche communication uh, point is when you're a department store like Nordstrom, for example, you have probably have more options for um, people to choose from in clothing and shoes, et cetera, than most other, uh, and that's, by the way, their value proposition. Mm -hmm. But when you, uh, we use this example also in the workshop, when you are the parent of a, a pair of twins, like say a couple of twin daughters, 14 years old, and, and you're shopping for them, and you know that you, or maybe if when they're even, especially when they're even younger, nine years old, and you want to make sure that when you buy something for one, you can buy it for the other as well. And you have to have two of everything you buy. Then there might be a store that says we are specialized in selling clothes for twin teenage daughters. And sure. if you walk by that store and your other options to walk into the Nordstrom, you probably will walk into the store that is specialized in that audience. And that doesn't prevent that store from selling other things as well. Right? People can buy one shirt there. Probably they're not, they're not obligated to buy two of each. Um, but it's just a way to make make it clear to your audience that you're that you're for them and and that you can in that sense provide more value. Uh, and I think what happens with most of the, the companies we work with is that once you get to profitability, once you get funding, especially when you get a series C round, seed round or a series A funding, you have just so many options to go cater to other audiences, and it's very tempting to do so. But any, unless you're convinced that the niche market that you have already had success with is not big enough for you to, to keep growing, then it's very uh, lucrative to just stay focused uh, in both your positioning and maybe also in how you really go to market your price levels, etc. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And on the other, the other side of it, when you're just getting started and you don't have a lot of resources, let's say you're not funded, 
you you don't have the luxury of creating all of the materials, you know, the demos, the the content, um, the messaging, the, all this stuff for all these different verticals and industries. It really, you have to stay focused on one and just build out from there and then use <clears throat> the success from that one niche to then start kind of expanding out. Like, yeah, and we also talk a lot about a lot about things like product-led growth or user-generated content to be great ways to fuel your your marketing, your growth with the help of your audience, right? right? And if you can enroll people who care about the same things you care about, people who are very uh, into a certain topic or a certain type of solution or have all have the same problem, then chances that they will participate in your community, that they will, they will become you know, maybe content generators in the webinars that you host or give you fantastic feedback to help you improve the product uh, is much bigger, right? You, you can build this community that can really help you improve your solution and build your product.